Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. And I want somebody to do me a favor. Because I want to know. I want to know where Lou Holtz is right now. <laughs> Did we ever find him? He was probably asleep, tucked in, dreaming for like two, three hours already. Man, that Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Save that energy for the skunk bears, man. Tonight. We're going to talk about the thing that everybody's talking about because it's the thing that everybody's talking about. Coach Prime. Colorado, is it over? What's going on? Are they conspiring to take down Dion? Then we're going to recap Showdown Saturday. Seminoles coming through. I told you to take the Seminoles and the points. Hopefully you listen. And then we're going to talk about the week that was in the NFL that included 70 burgers. It included Andy Dalton. <laughs> it, just happened to pop up it just happened to pop up on the on the recap. I got the little NFL highlight recap. Yeah, we had a good week in the football. Uh, you know, we're gonna be rolling into baseball playoffs here. Uh, you know, September's ending, it's October coming around. How about the Mo's? You know, I got the Dodgers game on right now. Then we're gonna roll in the NBA, and then you know trades and everything else but off the rip you know as a as a as a member of the new media as we call it <laughs> i just want to i want to hit the ground running man i'm sick of these reporters mainly these like these reporters and like these 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 white pundits and white prognosticators just acting as if black people constantly need them like i don't need you to constantly just coddle me coddle us I don't need you to just be out here trying to be like drum up racism and drum up all these things. If you know for a fact that there's people in these high offices that are saying these things, put it on blast. Say, hey, I talked to the athletic director of Texas A&M and he said, I'll never hire a black coach again. I want to hear that if that's the case. I don't want you talking about and tiptoeing around saying like, like Skip Bayless, this quote was a, I just try try to tell you guys for two weeks that there's deep-rooted venomous vengeance that is starting to manifest itself against Dion among white coaches. All the coaches didn't like Dion because Dion's gonna take their players, the transfer portal, the NIL deals. How you think those sunglasses that he handed out before the Colorado State game, that's gonna get an NIL deal for Travis Hunter or Shadir Sanders or the safety on the team somebody's gonna get a cut of that deal some car dealership in colorado springs or boulder is gonna cut a deal for one of these colorado players and a guy who's supposed to go to nebraska next year might end up in colorado that's why people might not rock with Dion because they know he's gonna be able to take their players to the transfer portal not because he's black i'm sick of because somebody is black and there's a conflict that's the reason for the conflict the conflict is a little bit more basic than that yo this dude's gonna take my players this dude's already taking plays. Travis Hunter was number one player in the country, and he went to Jackson State. Asked Deion how he did. He's like, I brought him down on homecoming. He's like, all I had to do was get him there. That was it. <laughs> so that's what people are more worried about. It's not because he's black. There's plenty of black coaches all over college football, and Mike's going to get to that. I'm just sick of these white 
people on TV acting like saviors because they say something like, oh, I'm trying to defend you guys. Like, cut it out. I'm sick of hearing it. Unless you're going to say, I was at dinner with Jerry Jones and he said this. I don't want to hear nothing from you, Skip Bayless. Don't bring nothing else about race because you've had two black men that you ran off. Literally, you ran off to another channel. You said that happened to the other one. So if you were so in tune with black people, yeah, you put us on the show, but you won't give them any power. You disrespect this man who was in the Hall of Fame. All this black love and yada, yada, yada. Save it. Show me some receipts or shut the hell up. Your turn, Mike. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I was sitting around and I've been seeing this all over, you know, Facebook, Twitter, everything, where there's the picture of Mike Loxley, Dino Babers, and James Franklin, and everybody's saying, why ain't y'all giving them the hype that you're giving Coach Prime? Well, I got an easy answer for you. Because he's Coach Prime! I mean, let's think about this for a second, right? Kirk Cousins, shout out to Kirk Cousins, you know, saying, leads the NFL in touchdown passes right now. But you know why he doesn't get talked about the way that Tom Brady does? Because he's not Tom Brady. Like Eddie George is down at Tennessee State, shout out, you know, HBCU doing the thing. And he's not getting half the attention that Dion got when he was at Jackson State. Why? It has nothing to do with Eddie George. I'm sure people like Eddie George. I like Eddie George. You know, I like watching him as a player. But he's not Coach Prom. Coach Prom, spoiler alert, secret. He's a one of one. <laughs> they stopped making him after he came through. Not cut from the same cloth. So James Franklin has been doing the thing at Penn State. You know, he won the Big Ten. He went to the Rose Bowl a few times. Hasn't quite got over the hump to the playoffs. Dino Babers won 10 games at Syracuse and and at Bowling Green. I remember a coach that came from Bowling Green that, you know, everybody was hyping and, you know, he ended up winning some national titles and stuff. So Dino Babers ain't going to win a title at Syracuse. I'll tell you that right now. But he might win one at the next job. Mike Loxley, head coach of my Maryland Terps, my hometown team, came from Nick Saban's staff, failed as a head coach at New Mexico before. He got off. He got he got kicked off the team or kicked out, and he came back stronger than ever now. Got to his little brother as his quarterback. So you can support all the black coaches. You can support none of the black coaches. You can support whichever black coach you want for whatever reason. That's my struggle because I like James Franklin, but fuck Penn State. (laughs) But anyway, is it over for Colorado? You know, they got the first three wins under their belt. They went up to Eugene. The demolition went on Saturday. So what does the rest of the season look like? Is, is is it over? They got USC coming in. They don't got game day this week, but they got high noon, big noon on Fox. You know, 9 o'clock local kickoff or uh, 10 o'clock local kickoff. So, you know, is it over? 
No, it's not over. It's not over. I think the 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 championship aspirations that the fans had uh might be over because that I think they have to just being able to beat USC next week is gonna be tough. And if they don't, that's two losses out of the Pac 12 where you have another ranked game. You have Ohio, uh, Oregon State in November, and then you got the rivalry game. Or you got Washington State, another ranked team. And then you got the rivalry game with Utah at Rice Cycle Stadium in Utah here uh, in November. So you're probably going to lose a couple of those games. So they lose, say they lose this week to USC, they're three and two. They can go on a run and beat who they got after that. They have. They got uh, Arizona State, Arizona Stanford, State. UCLA. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, is playing a freshman quarterback. So Dion being a defensive Hall of Famer, I'm pretty sure he can scheme for that. I know he doesn't have – he mentioned in, in a couple of interviews that he need, needs those dogs. He needs like eight, seven to eight more dogs. I think he's referring to defensive and offensive line. Just some, some maulers. He, he got have that yet. too. Yeah, so he, he has good defensive coaches, good head coaches. He has good staff. And I think people, like I said, people believe. People believe in the team. I'm not sure exactly if if Caleb Williams, you know, his his ability to be like just a man amongst boys on the field is enough. Because I think even if you give him him then, he's so good. Like he's so much better than other college defenses that he can just make a play. Third and, third and 11, you think you got him then, he spins out scrambles and he makes a, a you know a throwback across the field that you shouldn't make but because he has the arm and he has the confidence and they have the athletes in the USC they could just make that play and that can just kind of kill you you know you had him you had him boxed in third 11 he scrambled around and he completes it for a 14 yard game next play they go up the sideline to one of their four or five star freshmen and it's a touchdown so i think that that's kind of the 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 conundrum that they're in Travis Hunter is not gonna, probably not going to be able to play. I can't imagine you can come back in two weeks from a lacerated liver uh, and play football and play, considering he has to play both sides of the ball, catch the ball, get hit, or make tackles. I think that's a lot for any any person, let alone even a you know, 20-year-old star. That's still a lot to have to mm-hmm. endure. But I don't think it's over. I think they – I think the expectation – that we see preseason. I think you and I, our conversation. I had him eight and had him eight and four going to a bowl game. You had him seven and five, still getting a bowl game. Yeah, eight and, and I'm four, nine and three are more realistic now. I think nine and three is realistic, and I think that is still be a top season because we're gonna talk about them. We're probably gonna mention them every single week because they're gonna play good teams or they're gonna go on this run. And it, it's Dion. Well, I got him. Uh... Yeah, that that was the talk. You know, I I thought that seven and five was the best case scenario. Three and nine would be the worst case scenario. Um, I still got him seven and five. I still got him seven and five because looking at that schedule that you just ran down, you know, I got him losing this weekend to USC. Three and two. You know, um, I got him beating Arizona State and Stanford. Four and two. UCLA. Yeah, UCLA is a toss up, but I gave it to Colorado. Uh, I think UCLA is physical enough to give Colorado problems on the lines, like you mentioned. But, you know, freshman quarterback, you just never know. Chip Kelly getting too cute, all that good stuff like that. We'll get to that game when we get closer to it. I got him losing to Oregon State. 
Um, I got them beating Arizona. I got them losing up in the Palouse. Every time I talk about Washington State, I just want to say the word Palouse. I got them losing. I got them losing up in the Palouse. Cam Ward is going to throw his name in the Heisman hat here in a couple of weeks. He would already be there if he played for somebody other than Washington State. And then I got him losing at Rice Eccles to close out the season. So, you know, and I don't think there's any shame in any of those. Even if they lost to UCLA, I don't think there's anything on the schedule that besides if they if they lost to Arizona State or Stanford, then we need to reevaluate everything. But if they lost to any of the other teams on their schedule, I don't think it's something to, like, lose confidence about because these are good teams. The Pac-12, look at, look at the rankings right now. Pac-12 teams everywhere. So, you know, if we're going to use that argument for the SEC and say they play ranked opponents every week. You got to use it for the Pac-12. You got to use it for Pac-12. So with Colorado, my issue is, is it over? No, because you got people like Skip Bayless, which you just mentioned. You got people like Keyshawn Johnson saying that the coaches are conspiring and coming up with game plans just solely to take out Coach Prime in Colorado. So I don't think the Colorado story is going anywhere. You know, even if Colorado finishes five and seven, it doesn't make a bowl game, even though some five and seven teams make bowls nowadays. But if a five and, but if they finish five and seven and didn't make a bowl game, people would be talking negatively. So we still be talking about it. Yeah. But I, I think, I think five and seven would be, I mean, at the, at, I don't think they're going to be five and seven. I think there'll be a no, 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 no. Just conversation, just conversation. Just like I think they're, we're going to talk about it because it's it's Deion Sanders. It's exciting. We haven't had excitement in college football in a while. We've had we've had arguments and debates amongst college football purists. The SEC debate, SEC versus the world debate. We've had some top quarterback talent come out in the last few years. You had, you know, you had like uh, Trevor Lawrence down in Clemson. You've had Tua and, and Jalen Hurts in Alabama going back-to-back national championships. We have Georgia dominated the last couple of years. Ohio State putting a lot of good quarterbacks into the college football playoffs. We had some coaches' personalities. But really, all that's been kind of focused at Michigan, Ohio State, a little bit of Penn State because you got to sprinkle Penn State in because they are one of the only other teams really that could compete with Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten. The ACC was basically just Clemson for a while. And then the SEC, you had, it alternated between the Joe Burrow-led LSU Tigers, Alabama, Georgia. And that was it. That was the conversation about football. Texas would basically be done after three or four weeks because they would be either two and two or like, you know, three and two after five weeks with no big wins. Oklahoma, ever since Lincoln Riley went to UFC, they haven't been a force. And then USC not really having like the personality like Dion to attract people to that 10 to 10 o'clock, 930, 10 o'clock, 1030 slot. It was like they were playing good football, but no one was watching. Dion, we I was watching football till two o'clock in the morning. Against Colorado State. State. So it it wasn't even like a big marquee matchup. It was a 1030 at night start time on the East Coast. Just imagine all those people that showed up for college game day. Those people were up at 7 o'clock in the morning there 
all day long and you know whatever they whatever they did for the rest of their day and then came back for a 10 30 game then you had celebrities there you got the rock there Lil wayne everybody else so what he's doing he's 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 not necessarily laying out a blueprint because i don't think everybody has a the the materials to build the building that he's building but what he is doing he is he is creating an avenue for colorado and wherever he is to be the focal point and i think they will always as long as he's there they're going to get the players he needs like i said the transfer portal those offensive and defensive linemen at Michigan State after their coach got fired. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, I guarantee you somebody's on Instagram with a guy they went to school with that's at Michigan State or a coach or just straight up a parent reaching out like, hey, I got my son. He's an offensive tackle up here at Michigan State. Coach got fired. He don't want to play for the new coach. You got a spot for him. The going to be like, hey, you know. Long as he got Louis, long as he's Louis, if he's Louis, he can come down. So I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, can we stop for a second? Can, can, can we stop with the whole? They won one game last year, and he's already won three. I'm not saying it's not impressive because you got to bring all those players in, get them to mesh, and get it to work and execute. But it's not. They they don't have the same team. He, he did not take over the team. So so like if if an NBA coach takes over a team that went 25 and 57 and they won, you know, 38 games. It didn't really make any big moves, more or less the same team. Okay. We get it, you know, but he brought in all this Louie and everything like that. So it's not as if he's coaching that same team that went one and 11. Yeah. But the, the, the Louie that he brought in, he brought in a lot of guys from HBCUs. He brought in a lot of guys who were transferred from other schools. So the whole they went one and eleven last year is being exhausted, but I think it's still very impressive to be three and one. No, it is impressive. That, I, yeah. I just wanted to throw that, that context he, out there. Yeah, he put this team together. What are we gonna call it? March. Just, just like, just like as I look around, just like as I look around, I don't see Stetson Bennett. So why am I still treating Georgia as if Stetson Bennett is still there? But anyway, that's a whole other conversation we'll get into later. But but yeah. you know but 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 you know but I think that the problem is is that the dregs of our society exist, <laughs> you know. So so a lot of us can have mature conversations. We can disagree, <laughs> you know. We can you know get our points off or whatever. But it's the people at the bottom of the barrel that are the loudest, you know. That or as as uh. As Hillary Rodham Clinton would say, the deplorables, the deplorables. You know I mean? the deplorables are down here, you know. So there are people out there that don't want Dion to secede for racial reasons. There are people that want Dion to secede solely for racial reasons. There are people out there that are going to be lumped in to both of those camps, whether they belong or not, because the nastiest of us just happened to be the loudest. So, you know, like, so Keyshawn Johnson, he brought up the fact that, you know, or I shouldn't say the fact, but to him, it's a the fact. rumor. The rumor that the these rumor. coaches are coming. rumor. Yeah, th these coaches are coming together to plot and game plan against Coach Prime. Now, let's think about this for a second. Like, one, 
I don't think there was anything that somebody was going to tell Oregon that was going to change the result of that game the other day. Like yeah. that was just or- going. Oregon happen. didn't put in. Oregon didn't put in fifteen new plays because the defensive tackle on the on the left side the, of the, yeah can't you know like, he can't hold up against double teams. Matt Rule. Most Matt Rule didn't pass no. Matt yeah. Rule didn't pass any information along. Now, do you have some assistants that know each other? Maybe have coached together before. Like I brought when we were offline, I brought up the example of uh, Kevin O'Connell and Staley from the Chargers. Can't even think of his first name right now. Uh, Brandon Staley. Staley. Brandon Staley. There you go. Like those two coached on the Rams together. So, like, is it possible that if they're playing the 49ers, one of them? might call McVeigh and say like, you know, Hey man, like, I don't think they would just call and ask for Intel. Like, Hey, what's Debo's tendencies, you know, but I think they might say, Hey man, is San Francisco really as fast as they look on film? And then he might say like, yeah, you know, they really are that fast. That's why we did a lot of misdirection encounters. Like, and that's the end of the conversation. Not like, well, Hey, if you go zip gap, shoot, you know, then you'll stop their running game. Like, I don't think it works like that. So, like, I just think Undisputed is such a boring show. And I think people <laughs> stop watching it because of Skip and his and the way he treated Shannon. And then even even before then, their conversations were bland. They were it was the same topic all the time. And I think they're just literally looking for anything that sounds shocking. This doesn't even sound believable. So so what you're saying point. is so what you're saying is if I understand this correctly. What you're saying is Undisputed is playing for clicks and Sports Reports is ordered is playing for wins. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because it's like there's like the show before the the, the reason that the, their relationship, I'm not, I'm not, I won't say this is the reason, but like Shannon was on a podcast with, with Stephen A. Smith, which is another thing that doesn't make any sense. You already have a TV show together. Why y'all on podcasts? I'm just... It's like, listen, I get it. You guys want to appear to be working all the time, but cut it out. Like you already have a TV show. Like you're not going to, you're not, no one's giving us anything juicy on these podcasts. Michael Parsons has a podcast, says nothing. Draymond Green, the biggest shit talker in basketball has a podcast, says the most calculated, boring stuff. Like you guys are just literally just putting a camera in your face. We look at you longer. Like, let's keep it a bean. No one's saying anything, any, any good information. So I was like, what's the point of me watching your show? At least Give a little passion with your Tom Brady's like, the load, the luckiest of all time. It's like, come on, it just they just keep regurgitating these same talking points over and over again to the point where the conversation that led to this, you know, this breakup with Skip and Shannon was a conversation we've had 50,000 times on their show. We heard it 50,000 times. So it's like everyone's coming in with some new stuff. I know. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson was on the show with Jay Will and Max Kellerman. It's just dreadful. It's just, it's not for everybody. And people can say the same thing about us, but I'm like, at least you and I feel like, yeah, we're doing something different. We enjoy, we do it every week. But these guys on TV, because they're talking about it every day, they're talking about the same things every day. They're always trying to be shocked. I'm like, just say who told you. Like if you want to really, if you really want to impress me, say who told you? Because what you said doesn't make any sense. Why are coaches so worried about Dion, who's giving them nothing but attention, ninety million dollars in advertising money 
would have been spent on all the amount of Colorado presses that they've gotten. So if I'm a coach and I'm coaching against Colorado, if I'm Matt Rule, if I'm coaching Nebraska, uh, Jay Novell and Colorado State, I think that Colorado State, those two players, uh, Kamara and Horton, I guarantee you their draft stock went up one or two rounds off of that game alone just because we watched it firsthand. You can look at film, but watching it firsthand, watching the impact of the plays, the way Horton was moving. Horton's a big dude. He was making slot receiver shifty moves in the open field. He was returning punts. No one's looking at that at 1 o'clock in the morning if you are a New England scout, if you're a Miami scout, if you're a Buffalo it's 1 o'clock in the morning. This is Colorado versus Colorado State. But I guarantee you a couple of those players' draft stock went up just off of that game because we were all watching from Dion because we all talked about it. We've said multiple – I said it to you in a text message. I heard uh, a pundit on TV say the same thing. Like, I think that Horton kid can really play. That Kamara, like, it was an unfortunate penalty, but he could really play. He, you know, and they said, you know, he let him in sacks. So any coach, Chip Kelly, who has his freshman quarterback, do you want to put him on a big stage and see how he plays, see how he reacts, so you can see how he can build on that? You got guys who are potentially in the Heisman. You got four ranked teams in the top 10 or, you know, for Pac-12. They need to get on TV. You got guys who want the Heisman. Right. So I'm playing Colorado or I'm playing in the Pac-12 and I'm a game up on Colorado. People are going to watch my game. How is Michael Penix Jr. going to do when he's only a game up on Colorado? Or So I think the coaches wouldn't put themselves in a position where they would lose viewership just so one coach loses a game to another one. They would want to be the ones that beat them. I'd want an undefeated Colorado coming to my school November 4th mm-hmm. so I can knock them off the pedestal because that's more impactful than a guy a Lynn sanity kind of phase out showing right. up because people aren't going to show up college game day shows up. If you, if Colorado seven and oh, whoever they're playing game eight, I don't care who it is. Well, that's on TV. Well, looking at this, right. Let's just say this goes some of the way that I said it would go, you know, okay. let's just say, you know, um, as far as the wins and losses, you know, you get down to this Arizona game and Arizona were to knock off Colorado. Arizona, that coach might get some phone calls, you know, so for some future employment. You know, he's already doing a great job turning around a school that was at the bottom of FBS. But, you know, those are the stages that Dion is creating. So, like, as much as these coaches may disagree with his delivery and how he's going about it, Dan Lanning took full advantage of this. Like, Dan Lanning in that speech the fairy tale is over and all that. He knew what he was doing. He knew the camera was there. It benefited him. Now people are talking they about more color changing shoes at the game. The players yeah. wore shoes that change color. This yeah. is a Nike school. They yes. have all the advertisement in the world and yes. they had ch- color changing shoes. You need to tell for me this game. You Every need to player. tell me. You need to tell 83 me. dudes. Before Dion, before Dion came to Colorado, 
and USC saw Colorado on their schedule, they said, yo, who want to run for 150 today? You don't even got to be a running back. Who want to do it? Now, you don't think Caleb Williams, the reigning, defending, He's trying to throw for 400 yards. You don't, think he, you, don't think, you don't think he heard about all the hype that Shador was getting in the Heisman conversation? And you even don't if think you take Snoop that Dogg's going to be at the and, game? And, and even if you take that out, even if you take that part out, you don't think that Caleb Williams is looking forward or thinking about having a Heisman moment against Prime? We're going to get the best of the best from everybody that Colorado plays. Like you, so so like everybody talks about Ohio State, Michigan. Every team in the Big Ten gives them their best shot. You know, Florida State, Clemson in the ACC. You're going to get the other team's best shot. He's getting the best shot from a team. When's the last time they even made a bowl game? You know, what I'm saying like, like so, you're getting so, the best shot from people. It's a stimulus. You're the big brother holding their head, and they're throwing the they're throwing their punches like this, and you're just holding their head <laughs> when you're Ohio State, Michigan. Here, USC is a better built team than Colorado, but they know that if even if they put a beat down, even if Colorado loses next week, 35 to 7, 35 to 10, whatever the score is. It's going to be big time. Anybody that went to USC, there's a celebrity that we know about. Uh, Matt Liner is probably going to be somewhere wearing his old jersey. Maybe Reggie Bush might show up. I don't know if they let him back yet. Snoop Dogg's a big USC fan. I know he switched to UCLA when his son went there. I know Will Ferrell's a big USC guy. Rodney Pete going to be there. I I can just see it turn into another Colorado State versus Colorado. But early this time. It's gonna be early, and people are gonna be talking about it all day. Like guys, gonna it's, it's no, just we gonna might be get Marcus thing. Allen. Yo, you might yo, you might get Lynn Swan back out there. I mean, it could be any anything because it's Anybody. Dion. You know, so so yeah, like you know, I just think that like we're at this point where it's a stimulus package. If you're playing Colorado, take advantage of the opportunity because like because everybody's concerned, and we know we know Dion's gonna get the pick of the litter. You know they I mean? like as far as the recruits go. Oh, yeah. He's gonna get oh, a yeah. pick in the litter. But as a team that's playing against Dion, you know, you got an opportunity to announce yourself. And not even only from the standpoint of exposing yourself to a new recruit that you may not have had access to before, but a great player that is opposed to the Colorado hype, to a dude that wants to shut Colorado up. You know, so so like this is an opportunity instead of complaining about it, instead of feeling, I guess, like you're against Coach Prime and you don't want him to succeed. If anything, you want him to see like, you know, people tell me all the time, you know, they say, oh, you're a Florida State fan. Like I'm a Miami fan. Like, I, you know, I want Florida State to win every game but Miami. So if you're one of these Pac-12 coaches, you want Colorado to win every game except for when they play you. That's how I felt about Vic when he went to the Eagles. I'm listening. I want him to have the greatest game ever, but on his last play, I want the tight end to catch the ball and fumble it, and Atlanta wins. <laughs> Yo, but you know what, though? Like, but, but speaking of Colorado, since we already talking about him, 522 total yards to 199. Shadur sacked seven times. They were overmatched. Yeah, that was like, up front. It, look, we knew that this was going to happen at some point. Like if we if we just go back and look at this, like 
you know, like for the for the Dion fans out there, like the 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 slurpers or whatever it. you want to call them. Like I like, picked like, it incorrectly. I'll admit that. Like take your take your rose colored glasses off for a second. For all the haters out there, just put that to the side for a second. Let's get rational, or as others would say, let's get logical. So, like, you know, like so as we were as we were watching Colorado, we saw TCU go up and down the field on them with a first time starting quarterback. You know, granted, he was supposed to be the starter last year, but he got hurt. But this was like his first game, new offensive coordinator, and TCU still him. put up 42 points. You know, we already knew about TCU's defense and how awful it was. You know, now, week two, we knew Nebraska was terrible. We saw them score 10 points against Minnesota. We know that Matt Rule usually doesn't get it started until year two. Yeah, that dude you know, has a he has a golden horseshoe or something because I don't know. Oh, and by the higher. way, oh, and by the way, they got the skunk bears, aka Michigan, this weekend. But anyway, so so you know, so like um we knew that Nebraska wasn't very good. You know, they gave they they scored the 10 points against Minnesota in the opening game, and we just saw Northwestern put up 35 on Minnesota, 37 on Minnesota. So Take nothing. We took nothing away from that game. They played Colorado State. You know, they're obviously theoretically more talented than Colorado State. Jay Norvell's a pretty good coach. He came from Nevada over to Colorado State within the Mountain West. And they were on the ropes. They were down eight in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left. You know, they went to overtime and confused all of us with the whole coin toss. So, you know, so like this is where. Yeah, when they both were point like it. Yeah. yeah, like I want to go that way. No, I want to go that way. Like I want no. the ball. Like no, you can't have the ball. You can't you make know? all the decisions. <laughs> you know, but 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 you know. So we saw these data points, as the college football committee likes to say, in soccer sound <laughs> professional. You know, we had data these point. data points in front of us, and and we're still supposed to be surprised that we knew one of these two teams between USC and Oregon was going was to smoke. Was gonna be Colorado, yeah. Yeah, and not only beat them, but smoke them. I like. I thought Colorado would cover against Oregon, you know, uh, just because like it was just a feeling that I had, but it was obviously wrong. I thought their skill. I thought their skill position players would be able to make plays because Oregon notoriously like first they play like a pretty soft schedule up until the Colorado game. Like they didn't play any tough games, and I thought like just just off the of skill, I thought Shador is. Is one of those players. It's like I remember Roy Williams, a former safety for the Dallas Cowboys. He was in like a group. And they did an interview and they asked him the question, like, "When did you know, like, you were gonna be in the NFL? Like, when? Like, when did you know?" He was like, "When I was in high school and I felt like a man amongst boys." He's like, "I just felt like I was way up here." And everybody else was down here. He's like, I just felt like a man. He's like, I just knew what a ball was going to be. I just knew it all. And I felt like Shador was going to have one of those kind of, it was going to be gritty where he's just going to, he was going to be able to just make the plays to get these other skill position guys over the way he had with the final drive, like the play he threw to, uh, to horn that went for the touchdown, you know, with a safety slipped or whatever. It just, it looked like, he was playing at a different level than the other 21 guys on the field. And I thought he'd have moments like that. And that would be like the, 
well, the piece that was gonna that was gonna move over. And I thought like well, maybe like maybe Oregon's first time to kind of getting punched in the mouth. Well, you know where Dan Lanning wrong. came from, right? Now you gotta fill me in. He was Georgia's defensive coordinator. Well, he didn't so get the Georgia players. He, no, but I'm just saying, Eagles. I'm just saying, like he got the, the Eagles he got the he got the schemes, he got the chops. That's all I'm saying, you know. But anyway, that's enough Colorado for one day. You know, we'll yeah. we'll come back to them next week, I guess. We need to like Thursday. to talk about the same topic multiple weeks you know? in a row. It's, it's like a thing we're trying to avoid so we don't sound like the rest of these punches. But but somebody get me answers because I still don't know where Lou Holtz is. So, you know, Mr. Logical, what did you see in South Bend on Saturday night? Uh, first of all, I think Sam Hartman's got to change his sleeves. I don't like the Sammy sleeves things that he does. Tyreek Hill does the same thing. Tighten the sleeves up. Like, I don't <laughs> like this. I need you to tighten the sleeves up. I need them up under here. That's just, you know, isn't here or there. Um, I liked it. It was a good game. It was a good game because you were watching a different game. We were texting back and forth. And I was, you were seeing the score. And you were texting to me. And I kept saying, I was like, yo, the game looks way better than the score yeah it was a weird it was it was it was the third quarter in the fourth and i watched the whole fourth quarter like even the first half it just felt like it didn't feel like teams weren't playing up to their potential it just felt as if when a play needed to be made defensively it just was made and of course you had some ill-time penalties here and there but as i was watching the game i was like i'm looking at the score and I was like, it doesn't feel like a low-scoring game because people are playing inadequate ba- uh, football. It just felt like two teams that were – it was going to go down to the wire. They were fast into the ball. They were to the ball. The I don't think the coaches – I think the play calls were good. I just, I just really honestly – like every time you text me, you were like giving me updates. Like, yo, that's the score? I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm watching it. Yeah, like, I was like, yo, it's really 10 nothing right now. Like, <laughs> Yo, it was just like I was watching the game. I'm like, yo, this is a really, really good game. Uh, and like towards like when the fourth quarter came around, I just was like, I was really rooting for Notre Dame. Like I didn't really have a dog in the fight. I just was like, I just really, I just felt like, yo, I, I thought this was like their opportunity to like have the big signature win early in the year get the Notre Dame train hype rolling because that's that's something that college football kind of uses because, like, it's very similar. I know we're going to bring up Dion again. It's very similar to Dion and when USC was good back in the day and when Texas was good and, you know, the guys raised with Grand was 16, 17, 18 years ago. But Notre Dame being good is good for college football. The problem is, like, they were, like, the only singular piece – that kind of galvanized the fan, like the non, like the nonchalant casual fans. Now you're getting more pieces and you're getting the travel transfer portal and you're getting NIL deals. So you're getting college players and commercials and things of that nature. So it's starting to like boost a little more, but just with Notre Dame, I just was like, man, it just, it just felt like it. And then I saw something, Samuel Acho put it out there. I saw it probably yesterday. They played the last two plays. With 10 players with 10 on, the men field. on the field, yep. Mm-hmm. Two plays in a row. And I just was like, that's disheartening because they ran right where the 11th guy, right. in theory, should have been. Right. Uh, but I, I thought it was a good game. thought it I was know. a tough game. And I feel for I Marcus think Ohio Freeman. State, I, Ohio State, the young quarterback, he seemed super hyped at the end of the game. 
but I'm not sure. He doesn't give me Grandos' first year. He doesn't give me like the CJ Stroud, Cardell Jones, he Dwayne doesn't Haskins kind of like. He doesn't. Look I'm, smart. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna make these. Like, I my talent will make these plays. It just seems like he was just the. He just stood out a little bit more. Well, well hopefully, in, like. Yeah. Well, hopefully that last drive, he came of age, so to speak, you know, like making those throws in those moments, you know, um, will give him a certain confidence that he might not have had already. But, you know, like, yes, I felt for Marcus Freeman, you know, defensive coach, 10 men on the field against his alma mater, black coach, black coach, you know, know, um, yeah, oh, shout out to Ohio State real quick for not going. I'm gonna talk about this later too. Everybody squeezing in and bringing the defense to where the ball is. I like when you had wide receivers. You spread it out. You gonna run this inside zone run? Cool. Let's put two wide receivers over here. So we got to move two corners and a safety, and let's put another wide receiver over here. So you got to move another corner, maybe another safety, and then run the ball for three feet. Right. Like that makes the most sense to me. So, so first of all, before we even get it, like, can we kill? And I know this is not going to make me popular in Columbus, you know, because I already said that they don't got no lives, and you know, I know their life their life revolves around beating Michigan. But <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, Ryan Day is 49 and six as a head coach. Can we stop the hot seat talk? Like he's literally a missed field goal away from winning the national title. They make that. Oh, you saying they, they say they're going to beat TCU? Yeah, like you know what I mean. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't know that for fact, but you know, just an educated guess. They would have put up fifty on TCU. You know, but 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 can we stop with the hot seat stuff? You know, because guys that are on the hot seat and deserve to be on the hot seat, they don't go into South Bend and win games like that. You know, that's first and foremost. So Kyle McCord. You know, young guy, 21 to 37, 240, didn't throw a touchdown pass. And I feel like every game I watch with Ohio State, every big game, I feel like Marvin Harrison Jr. will fit in right with the Chargers. Like, always hurt. You know, oh, wide receiver. Wow. You know, uh, Sam Hartman. Blocking. Like, he I always mean, hurt. He got but hurt. He, only gets hurt. he only gets hurt in the big games, though. He don't get hurt against yeah, Indiana. Locking. That's the you crazy part. He, he had he a good get... block on the outside and dude rolled up on his ankle. I was like, he don't get hurt against Rutgers. You know, he gets hurt against Georgia. You know, um, uh, all I'm Sam saying Hart- is my ankle might hurt for a few weeks because I'm getting <laughs> drafted Hartman, two overall no matter what. So, like, I don't know if Sam- I can go, coach. I got to go to class. Sam Hartman, 17 to 25, 175 and a touchdown. So, Sam Hartman, pick your head up. Because if you haven't heard, College Game Day is going to Durham this weekend. You know, where Notre Dame is going to be playing the Duke Blue Devils. So, you know, no rest for the weary. You got to turn right around College Game Day in a place that College Game Day has never been before. Duke but, something. but against the school you're familiar with, you know, Sam Hartman did come from Wake Forest. So, you know, keep an eye on that. But Notre Dame took the lead with 822 left in the game. At the time that they took the lead, I felt it was over because both teams were just doing dumb things on fourth down. And I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I know me and you always talk about 
Go for it on fourth down. Go for it on fourth down. But you got to call better plays than what they were calling. Like that one play that Ohio State, the sweep that they called on fourth down. I don't. I think that was dumber than the play Clemson called. Because at least, like, at least I what Clemson called, teams called dumb plays on well, fourth down. Well, at least what Clemson like, called. Have to be cute. Well, at least what Clemson's call, you have an element of they're not going to think that I'm going to throw this screen here and maybe we shock them. But it was third and one. Obviously, there's a segue there. You know, Florida State went into Clemson 31 to 24. Clemson had control of the game until Kalen DeLoach put his shoulder in K. Klubnik's chest, popped the ball out, picked it up, ran 56 yards for the touchdown. Dabo kicked the kicker off the team or demoted the kicker or whatever he did. And now we got this new kicker into the game with a 29 yard attempt wide left. And as a Florida state fan, I felt so confused because wide left and wide right are a part of my language. And when this happened, I was like, yes, damn. I hope that dude's okay. Yeah. I was like, I hope that dude's okay. But Clemson. I feel the same way. Anytime I see a score when it's almost 28 to three. Yeah. So, so this is this is what I'm concerned about as a Florida State fan. This is what I'm concerned about: rushing yards. Clemson, 136. Florida State, 22. Got to commit to it. Jordan Travis was obviously hurt. His arm is still off, or whatever happened. But this is not how you beat good teams or Clemson, Florida State. You do not say, "Hey, go Randy Moss every play." You know, have you heard of a slant? You know, have you heard of throwing it across the middle? Have you heard of involving the tight end? Since I was a little kid, since I was a little kid watching Florida State Miami games, the biggest weakness Florida State defenses have always had was passes to the running back and the tight end out of the backfield. You know, like it just they just whatever reason. That's that's a that's a weakness of every single defensive team in sports. Because it essentially it's you have wide receivers that within two to three seconds are 15 to 20 yards off the ball, and someone has to look. Corners, even even if you're in zone coverage, you gotta move. Hit the tight end, check it down to the tight end, check it down to the running back, or just match up your tight end on linebackers. It's such a simple concept. I get that, like uh like I said, I was telling you last week, my, my son started playing quarterback uh, for his, his team, his freshman team. And I asked him, like, man, how do you know, like, all the plays? Like, well, I was already a running back, so I know the plays that way. But he was like, realistically, he's like, it's, an, it's easy to understand what you have to do. You just got to know where to be. And I, he said, I think people complicate it because they're worried about everything else. He was like, listen, if, if the line is supposed to block a certain way, and I tell him, hey, we're going, I need you to block left. He's like, then I slide to the left, and then I look for the pass. That's probably over here. And if I can't make that pass, he's like, I'm just going to Lamar Jackson it and just take off. <laughs> he was like, that's it. He was like, so if, if we're making these plays, we're making these adjustments. You hear like, that, Justin Fields? He's like, do we have any che-? I'm like, you have checks? He's like, no. He's like, but really all it is is like, as long as everybody knows, as long as I know what everyone's supposed to do and I can tell everybody what they're supposed to do, then people will be open. And he's like, I just hit the open guy. He's like, that's it. He's like, that's all I have to do. He's like, I know it seems more. He's like, I thought it'd be more complicated, but he's like, really? I just sit back there and I'm like, all right, just I know it's going to be difficult when I'm in a tough game or whatever. But he's like, 
as of right now, just looking at it, doing it, it's simple. You just do, if everyone does what they're supposed to do, and I, and I know what they're supposed to do, so I can say, hey, this is what I need you to do on this play, because he's played football for years, and because there was a weight limit the last couple of years, he had to play defensive line and offensive line, because he just was like a few pounds over the weight limit. So he's like, all of that, I'm like, all of this is going to help you. You say that to him when you happen, when it happens, but you really want to play running back. I was like, all right. But he's like, all of this is going to help. So that's why I think that that knowledge gap, that's why I tend to pick the team that has the older quarterback. Like I should have gone with Bo Nix because he's been in college since Justin Herbert was in college. Um, and that's right, why well. I went with Sam Harbin in Notre Dame because I figured that the older quarterback, the guy who's seen these college coverages for the last four or five years from a couple of different schools and has, you know, a litany of different coaches, you you get the you get these these opportunities. So I think George Travis is one of those guys. He's 23 years old. That just he won't make the mistake. And he's you know he's playing against 19 and 20 year olds. He has such an advantage in crunch time moments. You probably can't see it because you're a fan and you want it to look differently. But no, I just they no, just got to run the ball. Dominate no, I just the thought he was hurt. And, and and lean. Yeah. I just thought he was hurt, and he played like a dude that was hurt. But you know, but hey, you know. So I brought up the tight ends because ding, 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 ding. It's time for the pop quiz of the day. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, Mister Logical has not heard this question deliberately. I'm All right. So before I get started, I want to thank Bud Elliott of the Cover Three Podcast. For bringing this number up, Shout and then I went into, the, and then I went into the rabbit hole. So here we go. Here's the question. So the other day, we talked about Iowa. You know, Penn State ran 97 plays. Iowa ran 33. Iowa is now three and one, meaning they played four games. How many catches does Iowa wide receivers have this season combined? Four. The correct answer is 14. So in four games, their their wide receivers have 14 receptions. I just I knew it was gonna be low. Now check it, check it. Now here, here's where I went down the rabbit hole. You know, just for giggles. Army's wide receivers have 25 receptions. They I was doing better than Navy. Navy's receivers only have 10. Air Force only has seven. Now, 173 FBS wide receivers individually have more receptions than Iowa's receivers combined. Yeah, you went down a real rabbit hole. Oh, it's not over. I told you it's not over yet. It's not over I yet. left. Listen, yo, he says he's going to ask me this question. I'm like, listen, don't ask me the question. I'm going downstairs to get a drink. I'm going to come back. This is all information he got in the 45 seconds I was downstairs <laughs> getting my drink. Keep going. All right, all right, here you go. So their leading receiver is a tight end. He has 131 receiving yards. Their second leading receiver is a tight end. He has 116 receiving yards. <laughs> the wide receivers combined have 140 yards. Like so, Iowa, get yourself out of this. Just fire them now, Daddy and Son. Detroit tight end was from Iowa. He caught a touchdown this weekend. Laporta, yeah. 
Laporta. I think Kittle, I don't know if he caught a tight end, but we know he's no, he didn't catch a touchdown last week. But you know, Kirk Cousins' second favorite target is an Iowa tight end. There you go. So if you're playing tight end in the Midwest and you don't want to travel far from home, go down uh, to Iowa and uh, yeah, go down to Iowa City, be a Hawkeye. But while we're at it, you know, talking about college football, what did I tell you last week, Mr. Logical? I told you that Lane Kiffin run his damn mouth too much. I can't believe I picked that game. They had a seven to six lead at halftime, at halftime, and then proceeded to get outscored 18 to three. But here's a tip for you teams out there that are going to play Alabama. Ben, but don't break. Get him into the red zone. Zone it up. Spy Milrow. He will throw you a pick. He will do it. You know, but but you know, but as I was watching this game, the, the pieces that I saw on my phone driving around the greater San Antonio metropolitan area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in I was in the same boat. I was driving, I forgot where I was going, but I had it pulled up. I had that. And I was trying to pull up some, another guy. I was pulling up the Oregon game and the Oregon-Colorado game at the same time. Lane, Lane Kiffin suffers from what I like to call Staley syndrome. So a couple of years ago, I brought this up last week when we were previewing the game. Um, he played Alabama at Bryant-Denny. It was the last time they went there, actually. Um, and the final score was 42-21. to 21. But they were down 21 nothing at halftime. Because he went for it on fourth down three times on his side of the field in the first half, and Alabama turned all that into touchdowns. And I think now when he plays Alabama, he plays he coaches a little too conservatively and gives Alabama too much respect. But they can't run the ball. I don't know why they're still ranked. And oh, by the way, they got LSU coming to town this weekend. Who set up that schedule? Who set up that schedule? Somebody's gonna get the raw. Somebody's <laughs> gonna get a raw deal. No matter. I don't think you can set it up any other way to where somebody's gonna get Georgia, LSU, Alabama within a five game window, <laughs> or you're gonna get back to yeah. It's probably Ole Miss. Games. It's probably Ole Miss because they actually get Georgia from the. But East the problem year. is, you'll get it. You'll get like a Mississippi State in the schedule. And you know, you know, like week six, and then you'll play them in Mississippi State to be five and one, ranked twelve. <laughs> and it's like, and then you got LSU after that. So you you think you get a break? Well, like, All right, hold on, look, look, I got to pull up real get, quick. You got to get quick. Vanderbilt or Kentucky. If you get Vanderbilt or Kentucky, you're definitely getting a break. Throw on South Carolina. Other than that, one of these teams could be good. Look, so real quick, year. real quick, here you go. So, Bama last week. LSU this week. Arkansas next week. Normally not good. At Auburn. Vandy. AM at Georgia. <laughs> so they get Bama and LSU back to back, and they get AM and Georgia back to back. Well, I mean, at least to get a little bit of a little bit of break, and maybe AM implode by then. Maybe because I got AM post October 15th tends to be a different team. Yeah, because I think I'm taking AM. They talk about in March. 
I think I'm taking Arkansas to beat A&M this week. We'll get to that later, but you know, uh, Thursday. But yeah, I think I'm a, right now. I'm leaning Arkansas. Plus, I don't know the status of Connor Wegman as well. But you know, yeah, college football was an interesting week. It was a great week. You know, we talked about Penn State. So of course, we can't finish talking about college football unless we talk about the Utes. So why don't you go on yeah. and let everybody know what happened on the first play of the game? Oh, well, we got the pick six. You can't stay down your wide receiver. You can't, you can't do it at any level. Freshman quarterback. Can't, can't stay it down. You got to look it off. Got to look it off. And, and He's going to be great, too. He's going to be great, but that was a mistake. The – I mean, like I said, cause, like the final – the touchdown drive that got USC, UCLA 14 points. Like – I like I, I like I like sports. Uh, like I said, I'm on my son's former youth league. I'm still on the board. I do the announcements at the games, and I and the the pundits weren't driving home how incredible UCLA's last touchdown drive was to get it to 21-14. They had multiple penalties. They were backed up on the two yard line. It was like fourth and twenty six. From the two, he throws a bomb. He throws another route the other way and then throws a touchdown in like three plays. And I'm sitting there thinking like, yo, this freshman just went 97, 98 yards and four plays starting on fourth down. And it's like they didn't like pounce on that. It's like how incredible it was considering he got sacked back-to-back plays. They were blitzing the hell out of him. It was penalties. He was getting beat up on that drive seven sacks made, he, on that drive it was two it was back to back sacks i think it's it wasn't even penalties it was back to back sacks that got him to fourth and 20 something yeah he makes a throw i don't know what the utah defender was doing like he just looked at the ball and like laid down and then they scored a touchdown uh, it was a tough game it was a tough game for utah because it's like cam rise is a good quarterback and then they they tend to get like a couple athletic quarterbacks like Tyler Huntley, Pro Bowl quarterback, Baltimore Ravens. Yes, sir. Uh, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, the defensive uh, offense coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. But he was more of your traditional, uh, like pocket passer. He wasn't Alex like Smith. a dynamic player. <laughs> Alex Smith under Urban Meyer went number one overall same year as Andrew Bogut. Only school I've ever do that. Shout out the U- University of Utah. Go Utes. Uh, but like Jackson Dart that plays at Ole Miss, he's from Utah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how they let him get out of state. I think Alabama had a five-star quarterback out of Utah on their team. He was like fourth on the depth chart behind Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones a few years back. And I'm like Kyle Winningham, like you got to get because Utah is one of those teams, and we, we talked about this before that their defensive front between the just the the big farm boys that grew up in Utah, the speed and athleticism that they recruit out of Texas, Florida, and California, and then your your Polynesian Pacific Islander Tongan uh players that are art that grow up in Utah. It's, it's a big, it's a huge Pacific Islander uh family in Utah. BYU tends to have a lot of uh, Pacific Islanders on their team, mainly the defensive and offensive line uh, and their skill positions. You have just tough players. They normally play until they're older. 
You get a lot of 20, 21-year-old juniors and seniors on these teams because a lot of them are, they're not three or four-star recruits. I mean, five, four and five-star recruits. A lot of them are Ju- JUCO guys. So you're getting grown men on these teams. If they simply had a quarterback that could just dice up these def- these defenses that they play, Utah would be one of those teams that get talked about with SEC teams because, yes, SEC schools get your your phenomenal 18-, 19-year-old five-stars that are 6'5", 265, play outside linebacker. Utah has three or four defensive tackles every year that are 22 years old that are 6'2", 6'3", 315 every year. Linebacking core is always, it's always top-notch. So, Well, Cam Rising better be ready to go Friday night in Corvallis. I'll let you know that, you know. But, uh, yeah, if you count the sacks, if you count the, the sacks into the equation, UCLA went 32 rushes for nine yards. You know, Utah, of course, had 48 rushes. But Dante Moore went 15 for 35 with 235. So, you know, tough game, young man, but he'll be back. You know, and then finally, I just wanted to touch on, you know, everybody's talking about Alabama and how, you know, the demise is here and Alabama's not good this year. I buy it. But y'all better start looking at that LSU secondary, you know, that let Luke Hans get behind them twice because <laughs> the corner couldn't stop looking at KJ Jefferson. And he went over the top to the tune of six catches for 116 yards, another tight end with two touchdowns, you know, um, Jaden Daniels went 20 for 29, 324 touchdowns and an interception Malik neighbors, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. They're not going to be able to. They are, but they're not going to be able to Superman this every week. They're not going to be able to Superman every week like this. Eventually, they're going to have to get production from other places. Eventually, Jaden Daniels is going to turn into Jaden Daniels. So, you know, LSU needs to find another route to get points, and they got to find ways. They had no business giving up 31 points to Arkansas on a Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. You know, so that's just me, though. They got Ole Miss this week. They're going down to the Grove down in Oxford. We'll see how it goes. 15 and a fourth. You know, this is always like desperation uh, type teams. You, oh. you, come, you, you, know, you, you figure stuff out. But like I said, I'm not a big I'm, I'm not a big believer in Brian Kelly. Um, so I think that's that's going to be the tough piece is like, can he can he coach you through tough times? Just, I haven't really seen it. I've seen him. Oh, I've by seen him the way, I don't see him coach. And and by the way, just uh, no, we were talking about these schedules and everything. I just want to know who the hell let Georgia get the week five before their first road game. Listen, man, there's <laughs> a big dog. That's why I don't got them number one. But anyway. Just depends the week on how you that want. was the NFL. Yeah, the week. That I was, mean, yo, seventy burger. I mean, you want to just get off on that real quick? I mean, just get it out the way. You know, we got to say it. Ten at some point. touchdowns. And bro, Russell was still in the game, bro. What is this? Sean? Like, remember preseason, right? Preseason, we talked about a chain. Remember, 
And you know, to be yeah, well, he, he was like he the says, speed. You said well, the speed, then he got hurt. So you we talked about him. Yeah. And the next preseason game, he was hurt. I remember I played Madden. That's what it was. I was like, oh, this dude returned the, the kickoff. Yeah, this but, but he has come out and said that it's A-chan. A-chan. You know what A-chan. I mean? So, but he this was his first game of the season. Like you know what I mean? And he just came out. You know, in eighteen rushes, two hundred and three yards. <laughs> what a debut! But but four the, touchdowns. But the, but I think the craziest part about this is that, you know, normally when you see teams have an explosion like this, you know, it's something like, you know, hey, they ran for five touchdowns or, you know, this quarterback went off for four touchdowns and threw for 500 yards or whatever. So <laughs> so Tua passed for over 300 yards. A-Chan ran for 200. And Tyreek Hill had a, over 150 receiving yards without Jalen Waddle. Because they were throwing it to A-Chan. So, like, okay. So, I brought up A-Chan. You brought up Sean Payton. What's up, man? <laughs> Mike White threw a touchdown. And Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator. Yo, I mean... Like I said, we we've we've kind of established our, our 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 hosting co-host dynamic. Mike is a stat guy that gives you like the nitty gritty stats. He knows where the coaches came from. I give you what I saw that weekend, and then I I try to give like the what I think personality wise, like how it's is working out, and what I think is going to play out personality wise. I've I've been kind of a, a good judge of character in that regard. I have zero faith in the team of the Denver Broncos cohesion. I think there's almost none. I'm imagining anybody that has any trade value on the team is going to either demand out publicly or privately to go to a contender. Yeah, at the very least, I'm thinking Sertan and one of the receivers. Condoleezza Rice is going to call a former attorney general that she knows to figure out how do we get out of this rust contract? <laughs> how do we buy him out? What's the capologist report? Because the marriage between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, it just doesn't mix. And I'll, like I said, I'll talk about this ad nauseum. Tua and Mike McDaniels, that works. As just the two of them, not necessarily like on the team. Like we'll talk about Mac Jones. Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien work. Mac Jones and Matt Patricia didn't work, and we saw how that that played out. Like it was very public. Uh, I talked about the KJ Hamler taking his helmet off, the Melvin Gordon glare against Russ last year. Yeah, that, and that to linebacker be that got position. us in Russ's face coming off the field. Yeah, so it's just like I just think that people haven't really like you can be a diva. You can be you can be Dion and come in and at the Super Bowl have a Lamborghini parked in front of the hotel. But they know when the Super Bowl comes around, Dion's going to lock down his side of the field. Right. Or week two comes around, or week four. Not even just the big moments. Like, Dion's going to do his thing. You know, so Randy Moss is going to do his thing. Tom Brady can have all the concessions that he wants if he needed them. But when you're down 28-3, to three, people still believe that he can bring them back. Right. When they got it to 28-12, to 12, it was like, we believe even more. Even though it didn't seem... You can be down 10-0 in Denver 
and I don't think a single player on the field <laughs> believes that they can get to 10-10 or 14-10 in the next Well, the position. thing about it is that, like, Russ isn't even playing bad, though. Like, I mean, he's he's not playing like Russell Wilson that we were used to, but I still wouldn't say he's playing bad. Like, he looks better he's than he's playing bad. He, he looked and better than I, he looked last year. I just think that the the drill that you run through on those two-a-days in the summer where you're running hard to the loose ball or you're running hard to make the tackle, people aren't doing that in the game because it's like, what's the point? Right. And I don't think Sean Payton's good. I don't think I don't think he's a good coach. And I think his ego, yeah, keep in mind, he's getting most coaches don't get paid substantially more than almost the entire team. Most coaches are in that five to seven range a year. Four, four year, 28 million, four year, 30 million, somewhere in that range. So your third string wide receiver is getting about six million. Your star wide receiver might be getting 15 to 20. <coughs> He's getting backup quarterback money, like 20, 25 million a year. And he's arrogant. And he came in and dissed your entire organization. And I'm pretty sure he talks to players with that tone. If that's the tone you set out publicly, I can only imagine how you treat people and, and not within to, the building. And not to defend uh, Nathaniel Hackett, but you know you don't see coaches generally go after other coaches in that way, especially the coaches that they replace. Like you don't hear, you know, like Eric Bieniemy come in and say, "Hey, what are you going to do with this Washington offense? I'm going to be better than that jackass." You know, or you yeah. know, something along those lines. See, they locked them into so much money. Like they t- they talked about this in the draft. I'm pretty sure I brought it before. It was like when you give a guy when you give a guy money, he becomes more of what he already is. So if you're a philanthropist and I give you 25 million, you're gonna do more volunteer work. If you are a gambler, if I give you 25 million, you're gonna gamble more. Sean Payton is arrogant, and they gave him a lot of money after he was essentially probably run out of New Orleans because it. Because when when you're winning, winning cures all. Once he stopped winning consistently in New Orleans, he probably still had that Super Bowl winning attitude. He, right. his, the Super Bowl trophy is probably somewhere in the building. I can imagine him saying something like, oh, you worried about me. How about you go check that Super Bowl trophy that's hanging in the blah, 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 blah. It's like, <laughs> man, that was years ago. He like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> or flashes the ring, feed, bitch. Kiss the <laughs> ring. And they were like, all right, cool. You out. We're going to let your replacement come in here and get us seven yeah. to ten wins. Because like that's all you were doing. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's, that's the key. Like, I'm not a big proponent of fire the coaches normally. But I think they, Denver, a bunch of people who are business people and aren't football people. Right. Put a lot of money into buying the team and making these decisions. It's like. Yeah, you you're stuck in this. So Unless have you, you uh, go ahead and write a check. So have you uh looked at the schedule for this week? I haven't checked it out yet because I've been doing some. So terrible. we got Dem- we got Denver and Chicago. Denver and Chicago. You know, yeah, and yeah. hold on, hold on. Here we go. NFL. This is the main event. We got Miami going to Orchard Park. I am here for all of it. I am here for all of it. So, congratulations to the Los Angeles Chargers for winning the first playoff game of the season. You know, even though Brandon Stanley tried his damnedest oh to give God. it away, oh <laughs> he tried. God. I wanted him I, you to know, lose. At this point, at this, this point was already like, in the mail. I already had this coming. I already had it coming. Kirk Cousins is one of my favorite quarterbacks. 
in the league because I think he gets I think they people pile on him, but then when you look at the numbers, they try to make it seem like, oh, it's only because of this. Like, no, no, no. Like you had He's a the leader in passing game. yards and touchdowns right now, and they haven't won a game. And it's not, I mean, yeah, the interception at the end makes it look like it's his fault, but it's like they the fans should have shut up. Yeah. Minnesota fans, if your team doesn't have any timeouts. And they're trying to get in the end zone. Stop cheering. You can cheer after they score. Shut up, because they were doing this. And the fans were like, yeah, that means cheer. No, it doesn't. That means shut the hell up, because they couldn't hear the play, and they caught a dumb play. Yes, they should have clocked it. That's a rookie move with the coach. Uh-huh. Kurtz get, it gets in his head. If you watch quarterback at all, you can see he has all these things. I just think he, he's, he's just so authentic. He's, he's a vulnerable guy, and I dig it. I'm just a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I would definitely trade uh, Desmond Ritter to Minnesota for Kirk Cousins this week. <laughs> no problem. I don't care if Desmond or Arthur Smith hears this. I'm like, you guys are not a good combination. You don't go like Kyle Pitts, give up the eight, give it to Kirk Cousins. You go get a real tight end number because all you're doing is regular tight end stuff anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Brandon Staley's trying to get fired. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, at this I think, point, he's, he's, I think trying... he's sick of it. I think he's like, listen, if they fire me, they got to pay me for the next two years, whatever rest he's got on his contract. Because and- I understand the premise of wanting to end the game right there. But conversely, you have to be like, if we don't get this, what kind of position are we putting our team in? And you weren't going to get the ball back. And if you did, it was going to be like maybe 10 seconds, eight seconds. Only way you're gonna get the ball back after a failed fourth and one was to be just let Justin Jefferson run wide open and let him catch the touchdown and get the ball back. And maybe yeah. he Mad maybe style. he runs into the maybe he runs into the end zone and takes the points. But if he slides at the one yard line, it's a wrap. So yeah, that was my only thing. I get the whole premise of ending the game, but I'm talking like you're on their 35. And you can kick a 52-yard field goal and go up six or seven. I don't even I don't even have a problem with it if they were at the 45 of the, their own 45 or their own 40. I might not even have, but they were at the 24. I don't want it on that side at all. The 24, I said. <laughs> I don't want it on that side. I don't want it on that side of the 50 at all. Just I'd rather just pin you deep. I'd rather pin you deep without timeouts be, because from the 20, from the 30, if you think about an NFL route, most of them are 10 to 15 yards. That's a quarterback drops back three to five step drop. By the time he hits his back foot, He's he's got a 10 to 15 yard out waiting for him, or even a tight end sitting in the middle of the field, and he can get the ball out quick. But when you're backed up to the 10, 15, it depends on the, the, the how good your punt is. You're you want to get that route off. But if you don't, it's just the next play because you don't have any timeouts and you run. The next play has to be a little deeper. But if you mm-hmm. give me the ball at the 20, anywhere like 30, 40 yard line, I can still run that same play and not be so hard pressed for time. I can mm-hmm. still get to that. I still get to my drop and get this 15 yard out. I can still get to my drop and get this dig route. 
and get down and clock it versus you're not clocking it at the 35. Right. So if I kick it to you, if I, if I kick it in the end zone, you get the ball to 20, you get a 15 yard round to 35. You're not going to waste the down clock and you're going to have to run another play. But if I get it from the 24 to the 12, I can clock it because I got three shots into the end zone without mm-hmm. the pass rushers. You know, so it just, it just I think the, all of the elements I get it. You want it in the game. But I'm like, I think that was a bad it was a bad spot. I was I, I wanted him to I wanted Minnesota to win that game <coughs> for Kurt and to see if they would have fired him. Well, they got a chance this week to get fired because Jimmy Garoppolo is in the concussion protocol. So we'll see if he can play against the Chargers this weekend. But Justin Herbert, 40 of 47, 405 with three touchdowns. Keenan Allen, 18 catches for 215. He threw a touchdown. And T.O. has a record with 23 out of 22. And, and, of course, Mike Williams, unfortunately, is lost for the season with an ACL Chargers receivers hashtag, you know. But then – this week, right? That was the first playoff game of the season. Now, on Thursday night, two days from now, we got the first division title game of the season. Packers and Lions. So, how about that comeback? I'm glad they did. I picked them. Uh, Derek Carr hurts. Yeah, AC in the game. Uh, you just got to shoot it up. 44 passes for <coughs> for Jordan Love. I don't like that. I don't like his – what I don't like, he seems to get the touchdowns and he doesn't necessarily turn the ball over a lot. But his completion percentage doesn't really look that good. Oh, it's great. trash can. Game yeah, it's, like game. 50, it's like 53, probably 54% at this point. Um, You got to run the ball. Like Matt LaFleur has to just – you just – you got to – They need Aaron Jones. I told can, you that. Everybody can run the ball. Every team can run the ball. Coaches just don't want to run the ball. Three and a half yards per play is the first down. Well, you wait to see if Aaron Jones – You wait to see if Aaron Jones comes back on Thursday night and look how much better that run game is when he's on the field. Yeah, these dudes are six feet tall. They're 220 pounds. They run four, five, four, six, forties. If you just simply, even if you all you call was I formation and just hand it off up the middle all game, you did nothing else. Just hand it, you would get three and a half yards per play. The problem is these coaches don't want to call a run play, they want to call the pass play. Anytime you got first year starters throwing the ball 44 times, Justin Herbert still throwing it 47 times a game. I think Joe Burrow last night threw it over 40 times. Uh, with a bad leg at that, like you, like against you Aaron Donald rolling out against, against Aaron Donald, <laughs> screaming Aaron Donald out got him. him. Aaron Donald got him a few times too. A couple of times he rolled out and he hobbled. You know, just why are you throwing the ball forty to fifty times every sing every single team every single game? It's not yeah. a lack of running back production. Just, it's the fact just that for clarity, all just these for, coaches want to throw the ball. And just for clarity. Joe Burrow was 26 of 49. You know, so he was that's a terrible percentage. Every, like most I, I remember well, T. Higgins had a lot to do with that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he was dropping balls, it was hot potatoes. Um, I just 
I just think like it's not teams not being able to run the ball. It's the fact that coaches not don't committed to it. It's not committed to the run. You got to commit oh, to it. It is. You know who you sound like? You sound like me talking about Peyton Manning back in the day. Peyton, but Peyton Manning, listen, if you gave him a look, Peyton Manning called the same run play 11 times in a row if you gave it to him. He will oh, give yeah. that ball to Joseph Adai up the middle, Edge and James up the middle all game long. If you gave him the look, if you drop two deep safety, trying to protect over, you know, Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and, and Bob Harrison, yeah, Peyton will check to that run play. Hey, Riddle be this. Riddle be this. How does the same quarterback get sacked nine times and still throw four interceptions. Who was that bad? Oh, that was uh, your boy Howell. Oh yeah, that's old Sammy. <laughs> um, I'm gonna call it. This is rookie year. The Bills look. No matter what we feel about the Bills in crunch time, the Bills are like bullies. They'll win the they'll win the fight against like the small kid. They might not beat the small kid's older brother. So the Bills are going the Bills are never gonna play down to their competition. The Jets, the Jets were playing well in that that Monday night game. I don't know if they were galvanized by uh Aaron Rodgers going out. But the Bills are a good team. That their defense is stacked. Their their secondary is solid cover tackling. And they have the, the old top flight quarterback. I'm not a huge fan of Josh Allen. But I do know that, you know, he will yeah. run the ball. Thirty-six, three rushes, forty-six yards, and a touchdown. They got to run know, the ball. Just give it a running. Funny, back. we were talking all this off season about how Buffalo needed to establish the run. You know how the run is going to help them out come playoff time. Well, they ran for one eighty-three last week and ran for one sixty-eight this week. Yeah, so. they gave it to Cook. And Allen had, you know, 46 yards rushing. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, Buffalo is, uh, you know, listening to sports reports is ordered and doing the right thing. You know, uh, I like that. I appreciate that. But, you know, yeah. The, but, yeah, and then, like I said, who comes up with these schedules? Because coming out of Buffalo, Washington gets Philadelphia this week. So, you know, I don't even know who comes up with this stuff. Never happens to the Cowboys. We'll get to the Cowboys in a second. But before we get to the Cowboys. Cowboys ruin my elimination. Since, since I talked about my team, we're going to talk about your team. Yeah, man, I was talking about <laughs> game. I'm like, oh, hey, I, what was the first I had, thing I, I long, texted you? What was the first had thing a long I texted Saturday you? night. What was the first thing I texted you on Sunday? I can't remember because I was, I was, I was, I I was said, getting out of sleep. I said, I dumbass so Art Smith. That's what I said. Oh, yeah, you said that, but I think it was 0-0 when you sent that text. Yeah, because he, he was still being dumb. He is not good at his job. Like, I just don't understand. Like, so so this is my question, right? You're a football fan. You've been a football fan for how long? Like, realistically, your life as, as, as a person that's understood the game. Like, 30 years, 30 about years, 10 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, about same thing here. About 11, 12 years old, I was, like, figuring out, like, what the run-and-shoot offense was, what the West Coast was, like, what, you know, who looked like what, you know, like, why did these teams do this? So I look at the Falcons, and it's like, yo, why do you look the same as you did the last two years when you went 14 and 20? Like, it just it doesn't make you get – you have new personnel in there, and it looks exactly the same. 
like uh white adam when he texts you last week right like they do more moving pre-snap than after they the, do snap. On the play yeah 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 it's pointless it's no one's falling for it no one's moving well no I, defensive player is moving on those need, on those motions i need art smith to develop and suffer from recency bias because last week down 24 to 12 Desmond Ritter made the plays with his legs, with his arm, everything in between. And you still didn't put him in position to do any of those things this weekend. And and that's where, like, for me, I'm just lost. Like, you know, because it's like, okay, maybe you didn't trust Desmond Ritter. But now he gave you a reason to maybe loosen the leash a little bit. But here you go. I don't know if you got the stats in front of you or not. I got the stats. Twenty. Well, I was just thirty-eight. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to point out his passing attempts, and then thirty-eight the passing, passing yards attempts and the yards. But that's the thing. Last week when they played Green Bay, no, week one when they played Carolina, week two I was texting you. At one point he was eleven for twelve for seventy-one yards. No. I think it was 11 for 12 for like 52 yards or something like that. Because it just dink and dunk. The first game, Bijan Robinson had like six or seven receptions in the first half, at least through the first three quarters. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts had two targets. And I'm just and I sit there and I watch these games. I watch I watch teams like uh the Raiders. They had Devontae Adams. Grant, he had already, he was already having like a great game. But they had him motion to the backfield. They had Jacobs, Garoppolo and shotgun, Adams to his left, snap the ball. He goes like a little flare pass. Garoppolo throws it to him. He gets maybe five or six yards. I'm like, why don't you do that with Kyle Pitts? Early in the game. Motion him to the backfield, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Gere to the left, and just get a quick pass from your quarterback who's starting his sixth or seventh game to your tight end who everyone – I know he hears and reads all the stuff about him being a fantasy bust and it never helps my team. <coughs> and now he got drafted number four overall, and he's, he's shaping up to be a bust. Get him the ball early. Because sort of, you can always hand the ball off to B. John Robinson. You can always hand off to Tyler Algier. You're not always going to be in a position where you can throw the ball to these wide receivers. Get them easy passes on the first drive. The first seven to eight scripted plays should be like, how do I get my two six-foot-five targets the ball? Because then the defense might have to adjust. But if I'm going to come out first down, second down, third down, and I'm throwing – run, run, and then a, a little screen pass or a little flare pass to the running back. It's like, okay, so I can just man up on these guys and you're not going to throw the ball at all? Cool. Right. I'm going to go man on these guys. I'll put one safety over top, and I'll see if you're going to even call a play. It's not even like he's not looking. The, there's no five wide receivers where they send five guys on the route. There's no four wide receivers with protection. There's no match protection, play action, deep shots. Just I don't care if it's complete. Make the safety play 15, Give 18 the yards off the ball. To think about. He's at 11, 12 yards off the ball. It's like, 
I'm not going. I'm not moving from mm-hmm. this spot. And then yeah. uh, B. John and Algier combined 17 rushes for 45 yards. My guy Jameer Gibbs 17 rushes for 80 yards. Laporta, remember we talked about him. Sam Laporta eight catches for wide 84 yards. Open. Most receptions wide open. Most receptions by tight end in his first three NFL games. So there he you go. Wide Iowa open. baby Iowa. And then, and the, and then, but that route, that route that he ran is perfect for a tight end like Kyle Pitts. Big, tall, tight end, off zero tall, but can run in space and get on top of a safety. Are they? That's the route combination you should run, and they just Atlanta doesn't run anything close to that. Are they? Are they doing the Justin Fields with Desmond Ritter? Because I saw that he got sacked seven times as well, and I'm just like, no, there's just no reason Arthur a quarterback Smith. like. There's no Arthur reason a quarterback like not, Desmond Ritter should get sacked seven times. He is just simply he just simply not creative. I had an analogy in my head, like or what I was trying to explain. Like it's like okay, we talk about Brandon Staley. Arthur Smith coaches like he doesn't want the play calling to lead to mistakes. Right. But it was a play last night, I believe, in one of the games I watched. It was third and one. The pass was complete. But there was a holding call that pushed it back to third and 11. So a mistake can happen even if it's not designed in the play. But his play calls are like just designed for it to be zero mistakes. The problem right. is there's no... There's nothing else on. We'll talk about Justin Fields. There's n- nothing else you can really do off of it because the whole thing is designed for you to make this simple throw. We talk about Kelsey and Mahomes. We even talk about guys like Trevor Lawrence. We talk about guys like Mac Jones. The Tua. There's the the Tua plays. Like the motion happens right before the snap. I was watching the. I watched the the highlights of it, and a lot of those plays. Like Tyreek would move in motion, he set up, and then he just sprint out right before the snap. Like that in and of itself makes a linebacker do this. Makes it makes the defensive coordinator think, oh, the next time I see this, I'm gonna see this. Atlanta just puts dudes like they, they, he's putting people, he's using like chess pieces. Well, chess pieces can only go certain ways. Like, your knight can only do one thing. Your rook can only do one thing. The queen can go everywhere. But for the most part, you're literally just putting people in position where, like, oh, Kyle Pitts from this formation is only going to run this route. Drake Lennon only runs these routes from this formation. All this action behind the line, we never throw that pass. So it's like they haven't thrown that pass in three years. No matter what that wide receiver is doing when he comes in motion and he loops back around, they haven't thrown that pass at all. It's just pointless. You're just wasting the piece. It's just a pawn you're putting over there that no one cares about. It doesn't even get covered. Hence why you try to run it inside off of that all that action. And like no they know you're not pulling out and throwing that route because you don't do anything to threat the defense anyway. So like everyone's still in the box. I can go on on and on about you this. Ready? You'll see you ready for next the week. You ready for the uh, overreaction question of the week? Is it going to get fired? Absolutely. No, it's not going to be a fire. Well, we'll see. 
No, I'm not gonna talk about fire anyone. No, I'm not gonna talk about firing somebody. This is just a hot question. Can the Texans or the Colts win the AFC South? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because we saw with the we saw with the Texans Texans in Houston. Yeah, anytime yeah. you lose, you should have said it. We said it last week about how Houston dominates the series, and we both still pick Jacksonville anyway. Yeah, we did a terrible job trusting our gut. I know, and you know, we I, I oh, this fullback with the kickoff return, I can't get that out of my head. You know, <laughs> you know, I just can't get it out of my head. You know, it was supposed to be a pop up kick, and he even muffed it. And still picked it up and ran it to the house. I just don't get it. You know what I mean? But Texans, I got my eyes on them this weekend. Talking about black coaches. D'Amico Ryans and Mike Tomlin getting it on. You know, but the Rams coming off of Monday night on the short week going to Indianapolis. So, you know, that should that could be an interesting game. You know, so uh, we're going to get into picks right now, but I'm just throwing that out there. You know, because right now the Colts are in first place at two and one. And, you know, you pick the Jags. They're one and two. I picked the Titans. They're one and two. But, uh, yeah, you know, so maybe Deshaun Watson, you know, heard us. Or he was playing against the fourth worst pass defense in the league. You know, so, you know, they came into the game number one, you know, left number four. But, you know, we got to talk about. The desert. We got to talk about your eliminated your eliminator pick. We got to talk about it. Yeah, that, that, Dallas, was, that was tough. Was it was you? Tough. Was it you that told me how slow Dallas looks? They look. It was a couple of plays where I was thinking, like, because every time I watch another team, I just think to myself, why didn't my team hire that coach when he was available? <laughs> You want Mike McCarthy? (laughs) Sometimes I think, sometimes I think about that, but (laughs) it was a couple of plays that I was like, okay, they set the screen pass up early. But as I watch the game more and more, it feels as if they were just putting Dak in these very short drops with the expectation of ball coming out early. And it just looked the same every, it looked the same every drive. I, I don't recall any kind of rollout plays. I don't recall any, like, very few play actions. I don't recall many, like, deep shots and stuff like that. So it was just like, even even on that final drive, they got the ball down 12 inside, like, on the Arizona side of the field, down 12. And when he threw the pick, it was like 2.30 left. Like, they ran off like two and a half, three minutes. Like, casually. They weren't in a hurry up. They weren't. Like, you're down two possessions. you got to get the ball back. And it was like, it just didn't. It did It looked as if they thought they were down one possession. Like that whole final drive until he threw the interception in his own. It it looked like they thought they were only down eight. Like they forgot that the last drive they didn't get the points they needed. Or they gave up a touchdown because they, they cut it to 21, 16, 
They had to cut it 21-16, and then Arizona came back at the touchdown. It just every, they, it felt like they were operating like they forgot the touchdown got scored, and they were only down five. Because they like if you, if you look at it, if if you if you can look at it, I don't know if you can look at it now, but you know at this conversation to anybody listening, they got the ball with five minutes left, five like five forty two, five twenty two, something like that, and ran off three minutes to get to the red zone, and was still like the clock was ticking, tick 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 tick, tick and then Dak threw this terrible, one. it was three dudes there, it just was bad, it was bad play calling, it was your typical bad Mike McCarthy game. But sadly, sadly, as logical as that was, that's not even the reason Dallas lost. Well, I mean, yeah, Arizona ran the ball on them like it was well, a no, 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 not that either. Thirteen penalties for 107 yards. Yeah, but they had 12 in the first half. I know, but that's enough so to that get you behind. Had, yeah, but that's they enough only to get one you behind in the second half. Well, they lost they by twelve, had, and you're talking about how they had to hurry up down the field, and they didn't. But they wouldn't have been they, down by twelve without was, the penalties. But the, even with even with the penalties, they had a possession where they went for it on fourth down in the second half and didn't get it. Then got the ball back to the red zone and got three points, and then got the and then gave up the touchdown got the, and got yeah. the ball back. But if they convert touchdowns on either one of those two previous drives, they'll be fine. Even with the thirteen penalties, yeah, so he still was, throws the pick in the game. But that's the thing; they wouldn't need to throw the ball that of because it came out like this. They were down. The score was twenty-one. Well, they were down the whole game. Like 13. that's the point that I'm making. Like they dug a hole that they just weren't able to come out of. Like there's no hole to dig out of if they were disciplined. But the hole was it wasn't that big of a hole. That's what I'm saying. The hole, the hole is still, a hole. Everybody's down a possession. They're down a possession but twice inside the red zone. That's the thing. They were down more than a possession on multiple no, occasions in that game. No, they were down 21-13 with two red zone trips. Okay, so let me rephrase. Not multiple possessions, but touchdown and not an extra no. point. Okay, they were down eight points. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the problem. It, it was even with the penalties, they were still down 21-13. With two, with back to back red zone trips being down twenty one thirteen, it wasn't like they were down twenty one thirteen and had one trip, and then Arizona got the ball back and they kicked the field goal. They they were down twenty one thirteen. They probably should have kicked the field goal then mm-hmm. to get the points to go down twenty one sixteen, and then yeah, get the stop. Which, I wanted your and then come back yeah. down, and then we'll talk about the Josh McDaniels decision yeah. too. Because I so agree it's, with it's, I, I, I he 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 dumb. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So it, it was just, it was the same thing. It was it was a lot like the Matt Lafleur situation and the NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay a couple of years back in the the Josh McDaniel situation. But with Dallas, it just was a matter of they didn't play. It didn't seem like they were playing with any kind of urgency in those that that last ten minutes of the game when it was mm-hmm. like this is your opportunity to make the play like. You get down 20, you get now you kick the field goal. You're down 21-16. A defense. Make a play to get us the ball back. Get hit this gap, get the sack, get make them hold you, pushing back 10 yards. It's like it just felt as if and Michael Parsons used this phrase that I, I can't stand. We played down to our opponent. 
But it's like, no, you didn't play up to your capability. You it's not playing to down standard. to your yeah. yeah, you didn't play up to your capability, not even your standard, just like your capability. Yeah, like the I way mean, they looked, the way they looked on that first play against the Jets when Demarcus Lawrence came through and blasted Brees Hall five yards deep in the backfield. I didn't see a single play like that with Dallas. And I was flipping between Dallas, Arizona, and the Kansas City Chicago game. They played a lot like the Chicago's defense, where it just was like, we're here. We got our well, helmet. Well, I'm interested to see how they bounce back because they got Bill Belichick this weekend, you know, so I want to see how they come back from that. But then as I was looking through it, I was like, yo, the Cardinals could literally be 3-0 and right now. You know, they should have beat Washington. They were up 28-7 to on the Giants. And then they pulled this one out. And, oh, by the way, they get San Francisco this week. But before we even get to Josh McDaniels, I just got to give a quick shout-out. I know they lost the game, but shout out to Andy Dalton, you know, 34 for 58, 361 and two touchdowns. Why is he throwing the ball 58 times? Because he's the red rifle, damn it. The red rifle. But uh, but yeah, so Josh Josh McDaniels, walk me through it. You agree, disagree with with, with his takeaway? Because his point was, you know, we were going to need to score again anyway. You know, but I think I'm, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, because because we like I said, we haven't discussed this. I look at it like this. Like I said, if I if I think back to how I felt with the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay going, off, you needed a touchdown anyway, regardless. You needed a touchdown. The two point conversions from the three yard line, two yard line. You gotta have a two-yard play in your bag. But no matter what, you gotta get into the end zone. They probably so, used it on that play you were talking about with Devontae in the backfield. <laughs> and I would have used it again. I would have used it again, but I would have given it to Josh Jacobs underneath. I would have sent Devontae out because that's what you do. You yeah. Arthur Smith, this is what you do. You use your players <laughs> to affect the defense. Leverage. And then Leverage, yeah. You, you use your six foot five, <laughs> 220 pound wide receiver and your six foot five, 240 pound tight end, and then your six foot two, 220 pound running back, and then the other two, like all these talented players, and your six foot five running the quarterback that runs a four six forty, you know, move around and use, clear out space, yeah. And then you got Mac Hollins, like six four, you know, just massive dude with all his hair. Like, you use these guys as, as pieces in the game so you can advance the ball. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So with the Raiders, they should have gone for it. Yes, they should Because have. no matter what, you got to get a touchdown. So I'd rather go for it there and not get it, and you're at, you're inside the five, six-yard line. I think they were – I can't remember exactly where they were, but they were inside yeah, it was the like 10. the eight, I think. I think it was the yeah, eight. So uh, yeah. I got Pittsburgh. Get, get a short we, field who is coming off of, I think there was like two or three, three and outs in a row. So if I can pin them deep, or like basically, you don't have to pin them deep. You're just going to leave them deep because if right. you don't get it, they're there anyway. And right. if you get the touchdown and you miss a two-point conversion, you still have your time. I should get the ball back anyway. So I think he was playing, he was playing like an, an odd average of, well, we've stopped them this many times before. We could do it again, but I'm like, well, that same logic could have been applied to them at the eight yard line 
versus them at the 25-yard line after you kick the field goal. Well, well, this was my thing about it. You know, we talked about what Pittsburgh's defense did on Monday night, you know, against the Browns. They still picked off Garoppolo three times in this game. Yo, he threw one of them up for no reason. Yeah, no reason at all. But but The one that Jacoby Myers. Yeah. My takeaway was go for it because can you guarantee – that you're going to get an opportunity to score a touchdown again on that defense. So go get the points now. Even if you don't get the two, you get a stop, and now you only need a field goal. You know, and, yeah, and the, the, field thing, goal, so like, the field goal needed, is more you likely. Needed stop. You needed the stop. Well, you still got to stop them either way. Yeah, yeah. But the point that I'm making, though, is that if you're already at the eight or wherever it was, if you're already there, go, go for the, the touchdown because – when you get the ball, if you get the ball back, it's going to be a lot easier to get into field goal range against that defense than to think that you're going to get into the red zone again. I would just say, like, you you have an eight-yard play on fourth down. Like, that will work. You have you have route combinations that get you in the end zone from eight and yards you got And you got, the you know, a top. Three or four receiver in the game? At least. So you have you have that play. What you're what you're gonna be lacking in the event after the field goal and then taking your timeouts. You're getting the ball, so you kick it off. If you stop, if they would have stopped Pittsburgh from getting the first down, that means Pittsburgh would have been kicking it, punting it with about a minute fifty left from their 34 at the minimum because if they would only got nine yards because I think they got a touchback. So you got this punter who's been putting the ball inside the five-yard line anyway. So now you got to get from – you got to get 80, 85 yards to the end zone anyway, and now you don't have the timeouts. Now they know – no, no, no. Well, if you if you if you kick the field like this, I'm talking about. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They kick the field goal. They're down 21-16. You got to get the stop. You stop him at the 34. He punts it 55 yards. You fair catch it at the 10 or 15 yard line, and now you still got to get all the way to the end zone. No timeouts, and the defense knows you don't have any timeouts. You got to get it to the end zone. Anyway. And you had already threw two picks at that point. Yeah. So it just it just didn't seem like. It's like looking at the averages of or the the philosophy, like we get a stop after this field goal and we score a touchdown, we win. I get that piece, but you just kind of ignored all the other things you have to go through just to get to that part. It was like you right. just you, you told the story without context and then made your decision based off it. But I realized, like, yo, we still got to get the ball back, get in the end zone no matter what. Right. So. I think that was I think that was a poor decision, and I think that comes down to the fact that Josh McDaniels thinks he's Bill Belichick, and he thinks he cannot trust quarterbacks super well, early or not trust he... players. I think he thinks that his scheme is better than the players he has in the scheme. And he, well, and remember he, and he he, last year on Monday night he did the weird uh, two point conversion against Kansas City. You know, and I mean, and 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 I mean, I get it. Sometimes you know you're playing against this team like that, like that you're not supposed to beat. And they're like 
be a movable force. So you feel like you have to do something drastic to change something in your favor. Like if you're like a Sean Payton type dude, you're like, yo, let me kick this onside kick and get notoriety because like you weren't going to win otherwise. He's been living off that onside kick just as much as the Boston Celtics has been living off that one championship they got in the league. I know it. I know it. You know what I mean? But but no, like like I just I don't know. Like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. Baker Mayfield, you know, turned back into Baker Mayfield, you know, but yeah, of course against they beat him in college too. Yeah. <laughs> you know played I mean? against the Georgia front. Yeah, so you know, but yeah, so like you know, it was a good week of football this week, you know. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, outside of you know the commanders, you know. I shout out to Atlanta shout, for not drafting Jalen Carter. Shout, shout out uh to the Jets, you know, averaging 2.8 yards per play. <laughs> My upset of the week right there, you know, like the Jets yeah, from no, politics. Wow. I know, you know hey, happened. they still they came close. Hey, zero, they have zero faith in Zach Wilson. Oh, and he has and I zero gotta, faith in himself. I know, and I got faith in himself. I gotta say this. I've been waiting to say this for a couple of days now. You know, he is more accurate on his Hail Marys than he is on his screen passes, and it doesn't even matter because it ends up with the same result. Interceptions are incomplete. Yep. You know, saying that that Hail Mary was dangerously close. Yo, his his confidence is shot. I don't think he could. It's he time might to bench be able him. to win seven. He might be able to win a seven on seven competition against high school players. They got a bench, don't they? They don't have a backup. Oh, oh. Speaking of which, speaking of which, what Trevor Simeon? Well, I mean, they got Tim Boyle, I guess. But hey, but the secret of which, speaking of which, who do they play this week? Well, I'm gonna cheat. No, don't look it up. Don't look it up. The Jets? Yeah, I asked it for a reason. So, like, that should give you somewhat of a hint. You must play somebody that's down in the dumps, too. No, he playing he play a game against a team that you need to go see, Mr. New Jersey. Is that the Kansas City game? Yeah. Sunday night may football. Not those, may not much those tickets are going to be. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> The MetLife yeah, Stadium is awful. Yeah, it's, it's dope if you get the lower bowl, but the mother seats, they way up here and it's right on the water. I'm good. And then speaking of Kansas City, I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift, but I am going to talk about Justin Fields. You know, uh, I want to know what DJ said to him. There was a play where he, like, walked up to him and they had, like, a good – 15 second like it didn't look like he was yelling at him or anything like that but i just want to know what he said to him like did he tell him like hey calm down or like hey like get me the ball or like what did he tell him i just want to know what he told him the i thought the dj Moore trade was going to help him because i think i think as as much as about knowing the the defense from the top down and then your offense from where you are going out i right. think all that's important but for some reason i just i don't know maybe i'm just a little naive to where like i remember a conversation tom brady was talking about randy moss randy moss like listen man if i get here and i throw my hand up just throw it and it's like okay and then eventually you see it the hand goes up 
Tom throws the ball and he's open and he catches it. So it was like, I'm pretty sure guys like Tyreek Hill to two was like, listen, you give me the ball in this space here in the middle. I can outrun anybody to the edge. So don't worry about the guy who's over here. If you can give me the ball here in this window, and I'm pretty sure the coaches are involved in like, yeah, you get the ball here to these guys, they can beat like Tyreek beat, beat that guy to the end zone off like a little crossing pattern. And he had the angle on him. And Tyreek didn't juke or anything. He just outran this guy, the Denver player, to the end zone. So I think a lot of that stuff, it has to play a role. Or like when tight ends, like that's why a lot of tight ends, or even the conversation with Gronk and Tom Brady, he talks about how he's like, Gronk didn't watch film. I just told him what to do. So <laughs> if I'm DJ Moore, I'm just like, hey, man, when I get him, when they call this route and I get him on my hip and I look, just get me the ball then. Like, just look for me because I'm going to be here. So I'm just wondering if that kind of conversation is happening because I know Justin Fields says something about it being robotic. And I don't know if it's a matter of they're telling him not to freelance and then he's getting kind of stuck in going through the progressions. Mm-hmm. Like, if your first read is DJ Moore, but no one's covering Mooney on a slant, I get that's your first read, but this dude's wide open in front of you. Just give him the ball. Like, get the ball out. Like, is is it a situation where he's coming to the sideline and they're just re-going over the play? Like, hey, remember this dig route here and this dagger route here and then this curl here? It's like, you got to make – or it's like, yo, hey, man, will you see this set and the safety's here? Just check to this. Like, is that conversation happening? Because if that conversation is not happening, we're going to see this every single week. Because it it, it feels as if – because, I like I said, I was going back and forth between – the Chiefs game and the Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. I went back and forth, and every single time I went back to the Chiefs game, the Chiefs had the ball. To the point where it was like, what happened on the Chicago drive? I didn't see a Chicago drive until the second half. So if you lose to the team that gave up 70 points the week after they gave up 70 points, does Eber Flus get Eber flushed? I think Ryan Pace came from Kansas City, and I don't know if they're in the business of firing guys. I know Matt Nagy is on the Kansas City staff, so I doubt that they'll be able – I doubt that Ryan Pace will be able to use his Kansas City connections to then maybe get a coach from Kansas City because, however, the Chicago relationship and Matt Nagy went. Um, So – you so, something at, something has to happen. He's five and twenty-two, five and twenty-three. They lost thirteen games in a row. So I'm like, look, I'm look, somebody's got to go. So I'm looking at their schedule. You know, they they get the Broncos at home this week. They go to Washington for Thursday night football. Then they get the ten day break, of course. You know, um, the, the long week. They get Minnesota at home. Then the Raiders at home, at the Chargers, at the Saints, and then a short week against the Panthers. So, like, where does their win come? I mean, look, just looking at it, it would probably have to be the Raiders. Like, maybe, nah. like, no, no way. <coughs> like, maybe no they way. could, maybe they could sneak up on Washington. Maybe they could sneak nope. up on Washington. Maybe they could sneak up on Denver. 
Because nope. maybe maybe Denver is quit or is it thinking of quitting or you know. Um, you... Okay, so so hold on, hold on. So November fifth was at the Saints. The ninth they get the Panthers at home, so maybe they could get Bryce Young. They can go realistically. So they're the new card. One and six, one and sixteen, or zero and seventeen. They've been that bad. I so told you the... when I text you in the second half, Kansas City had more points than Justin Fields had passing yards. Passing yards. Yeah, they had forty-one. <laughs> he had thirty-nine. Um, so and they keep on they were passing the whole time because they were just constantly down. So like you should be accumulating yards, even even if you're not a good percentage, because they were down. You know, seven to zero, ten to zero, seventeen to zero. Like they were down something to zero, double digits to zero for the whole first half. So every time he got the ball back, they should have been throwing. So he should have gotten something. He should have had some passing yards, and he had thirty, not thirty-five or thirty-nine in the second half after Kansas City got the ball back and scored again. Yeah, like they, it's nothing they can do there. I don't know and- if it's him. I don't know if it's talent. I don't know if it's coaching. And of course, they he, legitimately could go one in sixteen. He, he finished. A, he finished eleven of twenty-two for ninety-nine yards. You know, threw a touchdown and a pick. He ran eleven times, which was the leading on the team for forty-seven yards, which was the leading on the team. You know, but I'm looking at the schedule here, and on Christmas Eve, they get the Cardinals. That's the loss. Oh, that's Cardinals loss, play huh? hard. Cardinals, Cardinals are playing hard. They're playing fast. So then it's gotta be it's gotta be either Washington. Uh, no, no, Washington's Las, Las Vegas. Nope. Or the Panthers. Panthers. Panthers is the only Panthers. If they don't beat the Panthers, they are gonna go 0 and 17. All right, y'all heard it here they first. Got, they got the Falcons New Year's Eve. I mean, this is like I said, this is all predicated if they don't change anything. If right. they don't get a new, if they don't fire the coach, if they don't bench the quarterback, if they don't make a trade to get rid of Claypool and bring in, you know, something, some I don't know what they I don't know what they can do. It's just it doesn't look like an NFL offense right now. And I don't feel I like I said, I feel bad for Justin, but it's like you, you, something has to, something has to give. You can't lose thirteen games in a row at any level. At any level, you you can't lose thirteen games in a row at a youth program without the parents losing their mind. Let alone <laughs> you're in the NFL and you're losing this many. It's one thing to have, hey, like your quarterback goes down, a la Arizona, and you lose a few games. Um, but most people have a competent backup quarterback. If you don't, you, know you don't. You know what's weird about this, though? So I was looking at their office coordinator, um, you know, Luke Getz, Luke Getzy. You know, I was looking at him just, you know, figuring out his background because I don't know much about him. But I was looking at his background here. He was the quarterback coach in Green Bay. And then... You know, I guess graduated to become quarterback coach and passing game coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. So this ain't just some dude that they just like, you know, gra- I mean, yeah, he is. 
Well, I mean, LaFleur was probably exactly LaFleur was probably doing exactly it. what he is. What are you talking about? That's exactly what he is. He literally was a dude that ate lunch with Aaron Rodgers and they hired him. That doesn't make you good. You don't become good at by osmosis. It's not how so it works. So you have to hacking, know what the so hell he's you're hacking doing. part two. Huh? He's hacking part two. <laughs> all of those, all of those guys that sat around and just I'm like, come on, man. Like, you get nothing. You're getting nothing out of a quarterback that's six foot four, two hundred. At, at least fire him then. If you ain't gonna fire Eberflus, at least like let the offense. You can't promote him. That's the problem. You can't the defensive coordinator's gone. The head coach is terrible. He's supposed to be a defensive guy. The defense is trash. The offensive coordinator is trash. Who are you going to elevate? And you're about point. to pay Justin. You got to pay him. Either going to franchise a- tag him or you're going to give him whatever Trevor Lawrence is going to get because they're in the same draft class, 13th overall, Zach Wilson. You got to figure out what you're going to do with him. It's just that draft class, they made teams made poor decisions that entire draft. And San Francisco luckily had the core team around them to keep it going. Miami benefited from it. Yep. But, yeah, this dude literally got hired because he was standing next to Aaron Rodgers with the same photocopy clip play chart as Matt LaFleur. <laughs> all right, well, and I this is we'll... evident that that's all that is. This is this is So if Atlanta, when you fire Arthur Smith. Excuse me. Uh, when, yes, you fire Ar- when you fire Arthur Smith, don't go out here and get some dude who who's who's gonna have the hot numbers this year. Tua, Tua's gonna have the numbers this year. Tua and Justin Herbert, who else is gonna have crazy numbers this year? That's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is gonna have crazy numbers this year. Give me another guy. That's- CJ Stroud uh, probably gonna keep his offensive coordinator because they're I think they're building something in Houston. Yeah, the Colts are looking good with Shane. How about Shane Steichen? You know. Uh- when it would guard the but their passing game is yeah, but their passing game isn't like isn't gonna be one of the upper echelon. I'm talking about like top six uh, passing games. So you're gonna have Tua, you'll have Josh maybe Allen somebody up there, San Francisco, maybe the OC in Buffalo, uh the offense. Yeah, they got Ken Dorsey, you know he's a hot name. Well, you know, uh um uh, oh, I can't think of Kellen Moore is a hot name. Kellen uh <laughs> he, just, he, he just got the to Los Angeles. It just doesn't seem like he would go from Dallas to Los Angeles and then like be a head coach to follow. Hey, I don't know. Talking, maybe if somebody maybe, talking the right math. He, he will, you know, uh, you know. And I, I mean, it, like, if, if you're if you're a guy like Kellen Moore, former quarterback, you know, and somebody gives you the opportunity to coach somebody like Justin Fields, I don't know if Justin Fields is his type of quarterback or whatever, but. You know what I mean? Like, I would figure that as a quarterback, that may be a challenge that he could be interested in. Ken Dorsey as a quarterback, that could be a challenge that he's interested in. Mike Kafka, you know, even though Daniel Jones ain't probably going to throw for a lot of yards, but Kafka Listen, seems to have a good name around the league. You know, if, if Justin Fields can show something passing the ball, then maybe. But if he can't, I think there's going to be openings. Like I said, I don't think Atlanta's going to fire – Arthur Smith because Arthur Blanche right. doesn't do that. All right, so real quick before we get out of here, since we're talking about it now, you know, real quick, uh, we ain't got to go around the whole league, but you know, are there some coaches that you could see being on the hot seat that we didn't put on the hot seat when we did our hot seat talk? I don't think 
I don't think we had McDaniel's on the hot seat. We didn't, but I think you know, uh, and I still don't Stefanski, know. If he's on there. I don't know if I put Stefanski on there either, but I think I would throw him on. No, Stefanski. No, Stefanski was the one that I brought up that could be the surprise because there's always like the, hey, why that guy get fired? So I brought him so up. Anybody as that, that paid a lot of money to their quarterback and they the coach came afterwards. Well, I'm, or starting like, to, I'm starting to change my mind about Vrabel. About him getting I'm, fired? Yeah, I'm starting to change my mind on that just because like, that defense is looking bad. Like, I already knew the offense was going to have some growing to do, and Tannehill, you just, you know, manage the game and all that stuff. But, you know, like I said, they're giving up the fourth most pass yards per game right now with the number one rated corner as far as, like, you know, all the advanced stats and all that kind of stuff. Like, so I don't even know how that works. A lot of that is all predicated on your ability to rush the passer, your ability to – your time of possession because that keeps your defensive line fresh. Hey, keep in mind, those are big dudes. These are 300-pound dudes. You got to have a ball. You got to possess the ball for 34 to 36 minutes so they can sit on the bench. You can't be in the 27-minute range of time of possession and have these big boys out there for 33, 34 minutes because they're going to wear down. Because well, that's, you know- that's, the, that's the push. That's why, like, Baltimore's defense was always so good for all those years because – they were always so good up front. That's why Cincinnati's defense against uh, LA this week is like they were literally in Stafford's lap for the, literally the entire second half. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, watched, uh, the Philly game went off first, and I watched the the second half of the uh, Rams game. They were in Stafford's lap the whole time. So even if you got guys like Eli Apple on the back end, or just guys who are just bad corners on the back end, if they get a, a half second or a second of help from the defensive line, then yeah, they'll be fine. Like that's that's the key. You just got to maintain time possession. Well, you know, we had uh, we had old Todd Bowles on the hot seat. You know, he might be going three and one this weekend. Yeah, but they got the Saints this weekend, and you know we'll have to see if Dirk Carr is going to play or not. I thought I thought they'd have a a, a worse season, but I mean Baker it's still May- early. The Baker Mayfield Mike Evans relationship. Mike Evans seems like he was like a little disinterested after he caught his touchdown because I think he's like he just kind of knew the game was over and he's just kind of like yeah. padding the stats. But it's an, that's another another guy. You just got get the ball to well, him. He want to get paid. You know what I'm saying? He want to get paid. Get the ball too early because I know there's a there's a narrative that they don't call plays for guys who are in contract years. I don't know how true that is. I know like yeah. people talked about it. Uh, Vincent Cruz talked. Victor Cruz talked about it. He was like, "Hey, I was in a year. They needed. I needed to get X amount of catches, or I was, you know, I was using it as leverage for my negotiation." He was like, "Some games I just wouldn't get. I wouldn't get calls in the second half. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't get looked my way." So it's like yeah. I don't know why a team would sacrifice themselves to save a few shekels because you gotta I pay can, somebody. I'll, <laughs> I'll spend like not me personally, but like a fan will spend six hundred dollars on a ticket if it's Giants versus Kansas City week seven, and the Giants are six and or six and zero, and Kansas City six and zero. You can hype that ticket up, but the way you get to that is like getting the ball to all your playmakers. So I just see – this seems like a bad business model, in my opinion, 
to not get to the point where your team is on Monday night football or they flexing your they flexing your Sunday afternoon game to the Sunday night spot. Like for instance, if the Broncos in Chicago were scheduled to be a Sunday night game this week, it, it would get flexed out. Honestly, they need to, honestly they just need to play at midnight. <laughs> you know, they, then, they need to play. They need to play on Saturday of, with the college football players and just like. But speaking of Monday in. night, speaking of Monday night, Geno Smith going back to the Meadowlands to play against his former team, and then I'll get you out of here on this one. And like, if I remember correctly. This week is the Falcons uh, London game, right? Yeah, Jaguars Falcons. They got a whole Toy Story theme that's gonna go go along with it. Um, you know that game looked a whole lot better two months ago. Not really. <laughs> Not I really. thought it was gonna be a just, good game. I just like I know I know I sound like a fanatic, but the issue is this, and I and I I've told this to people who like I've had conversations with people who don't even like football. And my my whole thing is this is like I shouldn't be able to sit on my couch <coughs> at home and watch your game and say what should happen. You do the opposite and it doesn't work. Right. Like every single week is like, how is it that my like I'm not even thinking like crazy stuff. I'm not like, yo, we should go for it every fourth down. I'm just like, why aren't you getting the ball like the the Carolina game? Carolina had a rookie quarterback. And our top two draft picks of the last three years, two of the last three years, had two targets. Right. It's like how was that the how was that the case again this year? Because Kyle Pitts was the same issue when Matt Ryan was the quarterback. He didn't get any targets. It was like he had a thousand yards and one touchdown his mm-hmm. rookie year. Yeah. Guys are catching two touchdowns a game, and it's not a and he's a tight end. So like get in the red zone. And just throw the jump ball first down. Just throw it to the back pylon. Like, don't even – it shouldn't even be called a play name. It should be like, hey, Kyle, run in the pylon. Cool. Yeah. Like, backyard. Just yeah, You just pylon. say that. You just come to the huddle. Pylon. Yeah. <laughs> just, just you know who I'm just talking like, to. You know who I'm yeah, talking to. Yeah, don't worry to. about him. Like, yeah, don't worry about him. He's 5'10". You're good. Just, <laughs> the, the safety can't make it over there because he can't lead us open. Don't worry about it. Just you go there. I'm going to – Got it? Go. Like, literally, yeah. it should be that simple. And it isn't. And I'm pretty sure he's a smart dude. I think he went to, like, North Carolina, and he went to some other place, and his dad is, like, the CEO or something, the FedEx. Uh, but, yeah, you need to go ahead, pack him up, and ship him out. Facts. You know, and on that it note. It won't be hurting for money. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are Sports Report. Atlanta. He is Mr. Logical. Kurt, come to Atlanta. I am 2-5. See you on Thursday. Peace. Love ya. Love to love ya, love ya, love ya, 